if we create a brand video and it just dies to death once, then it's it's doing nothing to us. So what we need to do is we need to go back to what I've spoken about in terms of how to create content and create multiple pieces of content regularly so that we can stay top of mind. The fact is these days that every social media platform is a video platform. And the demand as business owners, as entrepreneurs, as personal brands, to be creating more and more content distributed more consistently across every digital channel is something that I think all of us in business feel today. And when you combine this with the media prolification of brands like Gary Vee, for example, it can potentially become seriously overwhelming for us in business when we're confronted with the idea of doing more video for our business. So I wanted to bring on our guest today to explore this concept further. Welcome to episode 119 of the Engage Video Marketing Podcast. This is the Engage Video Marketing Podcast, helping you engage your ideal audience to action through online video. I'll be bringing you the absolute best in the world of video marketing, content creation, storytelling, and marketing strategy, as together we grow to dominate online video and build profitable businesses. I'm your host, Ben Amos. Now let's get on with the show. Oh, hey, g'day, and welcome back to the podcast. If this is your first time listening, welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so glad that you've joined us. And if you're a long-time listener or you've been listening for a while, welcome back. It's so cool to have you back. So I'm Ben Amos from Engage Video Marketing, and I'm here to help you engage your ideal audience to action through effective online video strategy. And in today's episode, I'm excited to bring you another guest interview. And this time we're going to explore the ins and outs of creating video consistently for a brand, particularly in this age of a high demand for video content across every digital channel. So my guest today is Gavin Bell. Now Gavin is a multi-award winning entrepreneur, speaker, podcast host, and director of Fat Pony, a Facebook advertising agency that works with brands across the world. Now, Gavin helps brands utilize Facebook in a way that not only builds their audience, but turns that attention into revenue. His work has been featured on the likes of Virgin.com, Huffington Post, Entrepreneurs on Fire, Kissmetrics, and Social Media Examiner. Now, Gavin comes to me from Edinburgh in Scotland, somewhere that is close to my heart as I lived for a couple of years in Edinburgh back in my 20s. So you're going to love Gavin's accent as well. And I'm really excited to share this conversation with you because in today's show, I'm going to explore with Gavin what's changed in the way that audiences are actually expecting video content from businesses and brands. And as a result, why it's important for businesses to be publishing more video more regularly. Gavin's going to share some of his tips about how he creates video content consistently and at scale and regularly without impacting significantly on the time that he can spend on his core business. We're also going to explore what this really means for businesses today as more and more video content is needed and how if we take action now, we're effectively getting the jump on our competition. So here's Gavin Bell from Fat Pony over in Edinburgh in the UK. Mr. Gavin Bell, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah, I'm looking forward to our chat today. Um, so 
Before we hit record here, I was I was telling you about how I've been following some of the video content you've been sharing, particularly on LinkedIn, but in other places online as well. And we're going to get into that a little bit today. But before we do, I'd love for you to share a little bit with our listeners a bit about who you are and what you do, particularly in the world of video today. Yeah, good good question. So, my like you say, my name is Gavin. I uh, I live over in sunny Edinburgh, Scotland, in the UK, uh, and and over here I operate two a business, but with two two parts. One part is a Facebook ad agency, so we do done for you Facebook ad services to brands across the world, um, with a philosophy of not just running Facebook ads, but helping businesses with their video content as well. So the first thing that we do when we work with a brand is help them, first of all, nail their content strategy and get them creating video. And then we use the video in the, in the advertising. So that's one part of the business. The other part of the business is, is an academy where I essentially take that methodology and teach people how to do it rather than doing it for them. So alongside those businesses, I'm also a speaker, speak all over the world. Um, and generally from a video perspective, I've been in the video game, if you want to call it that, for about five years now. I first decided that I wanted to pick up a camera and, and create a video around five years ago when I decided that I wanted to build my personal brand. And I was looking at all the people in the industry that had big personal I found, and I found that, and I knew that video was the one of the best ways, if not the best way, to build trust with an audience because people can see you, they can hear you, they can get a feel for you. But one thing that held me back was I was so so scared of creating video because I was scared of what friends and family would say, what my uh, people that were watching me would say, people watching me in the street would say. I was just like honestly really terrified about the prospect of creating video. I did it anyway and was terrible for a long time. Uh, we can talk about this, but I did a 100 vlogs, 100 days challenge where I forced myself to make a video every single day for 100 days uh, and then slowly but surely got better at creating video and um, uh, ended up having some of my videos on Facebook reach. I was getting about 50,000 views a week at one point. Some of them were hitting you know, 300,000 views on Facebook. And um, that continues today where I create a lot now of um, business related content, a lot of LinkedIn live videos and generally just doing everything I can now to educate the people um, that I'm trying to reach so that they know who I am and, and know who the business is. So tell me, Gavin, when you first undertook that 100 days of video, I mean, that's a big undertaking. What what were you feeling in that at the start of that journey? Were you like confident you would get through a hundred days of doing video or were you like, see how this goes? Um, I, so I really understood the power of video, I would say. And I, I also was very self-aware that I was terrible at it. And I've always been someone that loves the challenge. Like I went through, uh, seven years once of not eating chocolate because it was a new year's resolution. Uh, so I don't <laughs> seven have a problem. Of a new year's resolution. Yeah, it went, went far too far, but I, I, I've never had a problem with challenges. So I knew I would get it done. Um, but what was quite interesting during those 100 days is just how much I progressed in the skills that it takes to be on video very quickly. 
Um, so things like being able to articulate a message, being able to be quite concise, um, being able to get a message across quickly, all these different types of kind of soft skills that help you with video and, and, and also other things very start like became very apparent in those 100 days that I was getting better at them. So like the first one was me and I was kind of like, hi there, this is the first video, like, properly awkward. And by the end I was much more animated and, and enjoying it more. Um, just getting used to being on camera because it's, it's one of the funny things about video I find. And one of the things that I learned during those 100 days was if me and you are having a conversation face to face and you ask me a question, I'm not going to start answering the question and then go, ah, sorry, can we, can we start this conversation again? Cause I'm not very happy with how I started that. Yeah. Whereas on video, we all, we do, we do it all the time. Oh, 100%. So one of the things from, from a video perspective that I find really interesting is if you can try and imagine the camera being a person that it try that it almost eliminates that want to start again and to be perfect. Yeah, um, were these live videos? Was this a hundred live videos or produced? Uh, no, videos? sorry, this was hundred recorded and then uploaded. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Did you do um, much editing in that process? No. So, so one of the things with those hundred videos was, I just wanted to get used to being on camera. So it was literally pick up my phone, record a, something that I thought of that day, maybe a meeting I had. Uh, you know, maybe if I did this podcast during those days, I'd be like, had a really interesting podcast today. Uh, and I would share it. It'd be like a minute, two minutes long, upload, no edit, nothing just done. Just to get in that habit of one, getting used to the camera and two, being comfortable with putting myself out there. Um, and also gave me, a, in a weird way, gave me a bit of a comfort zone to operate in because, because I wasn't doing any editing. It gave me almost a comfort zone of, you know what, if this doesn't do well, then it doesn't matter. I'm not trying to get engagement here. Yeah, I love that. A few years back when Facebook Live was relatively new to the scene, I set myself a challenge of uh, a Facebook Live every day for a month for 31 days just to do exactly that, to get confident just turning on the camera and, and going live. And a lot of that content was rubbish full disclosure. Um, but it was more for me. It was more for me to build that confidence, much like what you're saying there. So for business people, what would you say, Gavin, is the benefit of getting over some of those fears and building confidence in using video in a form of, of marketing for their business? Yeah. Well, if we, if we look at video, um, and we look at our own consumer behavior. So when we go to the likes of Facebook, LinkedIn, you know, Netflix, YouTube, whenever you go to these platforms, the number one piece of content or format of content that you're consuming is going to be video. So video is how we consume content in this day and age from, for the vast majority of people. And so, if we know that as our own consumer behavior, it shows us that the people that we're trying to target our potential customers are doing the exact same. And so if we want to communicate to our customers in the best possible way and in the way that they want to consume content, then it quite simply tells us that we need to be creating video content. And I, I don't know the exact statistic, but I think it's something along the lines of 90% of internet traffic by 2020, which is next year, accordingly, is going to be video based. So 
if we know that and we are not addressing this the subject or the format of video on the likes of our website, YouTube channel, et cetera, then we're missing out on an enormous opportunity. So when it comes to video, all the numbers, all the stats tell us that it's a, it's a business thing that we need to do. Now, from a confidence perspective, I find it really interesting because when we are operating or we're worried about creating video content, it's often because of our own fears and our perhaps our ego and insecurity. Whereas what we need to be thinking about is the consumer. Because if we are committed as a business to educating and helping the consumer in the best possible way, which is going to be in video content, then we need to forget, we need to understand that it's not about us. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, our feelings and emotions do not matter if we are committed to being the best educator. And if you're not committed to being the best educator, then one of your competitors will be. Uh, and so quite frankly, from a video perspective, businesses have to do it. Yeah, They have to do it. And it's going to become more and more and more important. And learning how to get on camera, whether you do it through a challenge like we've done or whether you just get over it or whether you set the camera up and you have a casual conversation with one of your work colleagues and record it, however you can do it to make you feel comfortable, you just have to do it. And you have to remember that it's about the consumer and it's not about you. I love that you've mentioned this because I was actually having a conversation with someone today who's who's overcoming these exact same fears that we're talking about, um, a, a business owner who is afraid of being on camera. And I said to this, um, I said to this lady, I said, if a client or potential client walks into your business and wants to talk to you about what you do and, and how you can possibly help them, would you be worried about how you're presenting yourself or, you know, what you're saying or whether or not your hair's right or whatever. You, you wouldn't, right? You would, you would just want to be helping that person that's here because you know you can help them. And it's the same way that I believe people should be showing up in their video content is about others, not about themselves. So I'm really glad that you've positioned that and reframed that for our, our listeners as well. So I'm interested to explore with you, Gavin, the... How do you see the way that, you know, particularly every social media channel is a video channel? You talked about LinkedIn Live before, which is rolling out across the world. Um, Facebook is a video channel, has been for a while. YouTube, obviously, the stalwart of video. But when you think about video content across all these different channels, I think that's probably changed the way that consumers or audiences have come to expect video from brands and businesses. I, I believe in the past that brands and businesses used to just advertise. They used to just market. They used to push messages out. But that's changed. So so what do you say to how businesses should be using video? How has that mentality changed or should be changed? Yeah. So the, the businesses have to go back before understand so first of all, we've understood that the consumer consumes video content. So that's our, that's our first step. The next step is understanding what type of video content does the consumer actually want to consume. Now, I can tell you the two types of content that we need to create 
which is either educational based or entertainment based. So we either need to try and inform the consumer and help the consumer solve a problem for the consumer, which, I mean, if you're a personal trainer, that can be things like uh, five ways to lose weight, for example, um, or we try and entertain the consumer. So one of the things that I try and do is if I've got my enter my educational content, which might be something like uh, five questions that you need to ask a, a Facebook ad agency before you hire them. It's helping consumers. It's a, it's something that I know uh, consumers need to see before they outsource their agency. And I know this is a problem because the number of people that come to me and say that they started working with an agency and they've spent a ton of money and not had any results is enormous. So I know that that is a good education, educational piece of content that my uh, customers will want to watch. On the other hand, you've got entertaining content. Now, one of the things I like to do is to take um, something that my audience would also find interesting, um, but put a kind of funny streak through it. So one of the things that comes up quite often when I'm having conversations with fellow business owners that work from home is that they get distracted very, very easily. So this is a piece of content which isn't going to ever inform a customer. It's not going to make a customer make a buying decision, but they might become aware of who I am and start liking who I am and then watch some of my educational stuff and make a buying decision. So working from home, for example, I did a video the other week, which was uh, kind of a, a spoof on what it's like to work from home. So the girlfriend says, or the wife says, have an amazing day at work, be really productive. And I'm like, yeah, great. And then when she leaves the door, I start cleaning the oven, doing the dishes, everything except from, from work. And it's some, that resonated with a lot of people because everyone's like, oh, when I work from home, I do the exact same thing. And so it's interesting to my customers. And so educational entertaining content is, is the types of content that people need to be putting out there. And the best way to then try and figure out what's educational, what entertaining is really just knowing who your customer is. Yeah. Like there's, it's, it's a, something that every business cannot avoid, and I think a lot of them do, is really trying to hone in on who is our perfect customer. Really trying to figure out what are they what what are they watching? What do they want to consume? What are the problems that they have? What are the things that they're interested in? Now, if you're a local business, for example, then that can be things about things in your local area. That can be um, not necessarily things that are just res uh, related to, for example, of your local personal trainer, weight loss or, or muscle gain. So just really dialing into who's our customer, what do they want to see, and then creating content that is either educational or, or entertaining. Yeah, I love that. And I think what's important about what you're talking about there, Gavin, is the idea that content creation shouldn't be focused just on whatever you want to shout in people's faces right, which is a mm. traditional broadcast mentality or advertising mentality of we've got a message, we want to tell you about this message and hopefully when you know, hear this message you'll buy from us. But that's changed and it needs to change because people want to consume with content that is about them, that is relevant and relatable to them. And if your business or brand can show up by creating content that's relevant or relatable to them, where they are in their life right now and position yourself alongside them as being able to maybe either be be one of them, like be like them or help them, 
then your content's going to more effectively cut through in the noise that is effectively out there everywhere. And I think um, what that results in is for businesses or brands to not just aim to create one hero piece of content like you would have done 10, 15 years ago where you create a brand video, like a, a, a promotional mm. video for your brand and you use that for a couple of years and stick it on DVDs and send it out to all your prospects and that traditional approach to video in a corporate sense. And now these days it really needs to be about regular content released across various platforms at a, at a regular consistency. So what do you see as, well, first of all, why should businesses be releasing content more regularly and more consistently when it comes to video? And what do you see as the potential pain points for businesses in doing that? Yeah. So I think the, I mean, the number one thing is that social and online moves so fast that if you create one brand video and stick it on your Vimeo channel, it's just going to die a death. Um, and so, and plus, plus consumers don't want to see brand videos. They like you, exactly what you said is they want to see something that helps them. We're all inherently selfish yeah. to some <laughs> respect. We don't care if, if I do not care about what a brand that I don't know and have no connection to has to say, unless they create something which helps me or I enjoy that piece of content on its own. So if we create a brand video and it just dies to death once, then it's, it's doing nothing to us. So what we need to do is we need to go back to what I've spoken about in terms of how to create content and create multiple pieces of content regularly so that we can stay top of mind because things move so fast. You create one video, it's gone within seconds. It's gone. You post it in the evening of of a Tuesday by the Wednesday morning, no one is seeing it and everyone's forgotten about it. And so if you want to stay top of mind, which everybody wants to do in business, then you need to be creating multiple pieces of content to just continue people being able to see you and your, and your brand. And I think some of the problems around that is, I mean, the biggest one, which I'm sure everybody is screaming as they're listening to this right now is time um, and not having the time to do it. But the interesting thing about time is it really just means you don't have a priority or video creation isn't a priority for you. Now, I hope we've kind of sparked some sort of um, want to at least look into video more because of the facts of it is the way the internet works. And if you're not doing it, you're missing out on, well, the opportunity of the internet. But I think the idea of creating a lot of video content actually doesn't have to be as scary as what it might sound like. It doesn't mean that you have to sit down and create 10 different pieces of video content. I mean, from my perspective, I now have a team of three people that help and I will sit down on a Tuesday for maybe half an hour to film a video and the, the team will then take that one video and we'll turn that into multiple pieces of content. So we'll take the video, transcribe it, that then becomes a blog post. Now we've got two really good pieces of content that we can promote. They'll take many segments of that video and they'll turn it into little miniature videos that can then be published as well. So it's less about how much time, time is the biggest objection I hear. 
So it's how can we get the biggest bang for our buck from the videos that we're creating? And the easiest way to do that is to try and repurpose the content that you are creating. First of all, commit to creating video because you need to. And then how can we repurpose what we're creating into different formats? So can a video strip the audio, turn that into a podcast? Can we transcribe it, turn it into a blog post? Can that blog post then be turned into a series of LinkedIn posts and tweets? Can the, the videos be turned into a series of different videos and so on and so on? Okay, so let's break this down a bit further because I know for people listening, they'll be like, that makes sense in theory. The idea of being able to sit down spew some content into a camera for half an hour and then have a team perhaps outsourced or um, a you know lower per hour value team to create that content and distribute it in different ways. I love that. However, I think it I think we need to take a step back because how strategic are you potentially being with that content creation in the first place? Because you know I I think um I don't necessarily think it would be effective to just set aside a half hour to just turn on the camera and just see what comes out. So how much planning do you do, for example, before you get to that point of turning on the camera and creating that content? Yeah. So the thing, the philosophy that I like to go off is a philosophy called they ask you answer, which is first of all, understanding who's our customers what are our customers searching for online? So the easiest way to think about this is questions are you being asked or are your team being asked all the time? It's going to be things like how much does it cost? How long does it take? Um, can you prove this? All the questions that you get asked and use a team, there's ch chances are you can probably come up with 10, 15, 20 questions that you're just always, always getting asked. And then also think about what are the, some of the problems that our customers face that we provide a solution to? What are some of the things that our customers are interested in? And what you're going to be able to do if you just start listing out and answering those questions is hopefully you'll be able to list 50-ish things that are problems that your customers face, questions that they ask, things that they're interested in. And if you do that, then I like to say, congrats, you've then got a year's worth yeah. of content ideas. So I, I try and do that at the end of every year and create a big, what I call uh, a content ideas bank. And it's simply a Google sheet that's got all the different ideas that I've, that I come up with. And every single time I'm maybe in the street or I speak to a new customer and something comes to my mind, it gets added into that. And then on a weekly basis, I will then sit down for maybe half an hour. I, I sit down on a Tuesday morning to film videos. So maybe on the Friday before I'll sit down for half an hour and I'll look at the idea bank and I'll say, right, we're going to attack this question just now or next week. So I'll take it and I'll maybe script it out, get some notes, think about it a little bit more before filming it the following week. I think the key part to this though, uh, and you're totally right to bring this up, is having that content ideas bank or that initial piece of work to really think about what content do our consumers need to have or consume before they ever buy from us. So there's going to be questions that always come up like from my perspective as an agency, it's things like, can you prove your results? How much does it cost? Um, 
Why should we use Facebook ads as opposed to Google ads? All these different types of things. So not just is it giving you content to create from a brand awareness, social sharing perspective, but the types of content you're going to create by doing this also feed into the buying process and the sales process. And if your team or you are answering the same questions over and over and over again, why don't you just simply create that in video format and people can consume it before they ever speak to you? Because that's what they want to do as buyers. So it's making their life easier and it's also making your life easier. So that initial piece of work, I think, is um, is is the most important part. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, and that's why I asked that question, because I think it's you know, steering people towards the idea of just creating content and then repurposing the content, I think, is, is neglecting the key part, which is, is what happens before you actually create that content. And what I love about what you've emphasized there really well, Gavin, is the idea that you're actually getting your content ideas by listening to your audience, by hearing what they're asking and then answering those questions. And I think that is at its simplest forms, the best way to create a content calendar for video is by listening to what people are asking those common questions that are coming up and framing your content around answering those questions and providing value to people without the expectation they actually buy from you. So, you know, just giving free value through your content and thereby positioning your brand or your business or yourself as the right person to buy from because you're giving away more value than your competition potentially, right? Totally. And if we, if we take it back to the, the time problem as well, which is really interesting, is a, a quick example of this is recently I've been, a, I've been asked a lot by people, mostly on LinkedIn because of the lives, what my tech setup is. How do I film my videos and what microphone and things do I use? And previously I would spend, you know, five minutes every single time going through and, and sending them back an email, uh, an email or a message with the links to all the different pieces of kit that I've got. So I was like, well, why don't I just film a video sharing everything that I use with all the links to the different things that people can go and use. So every time I get asked that question now, rather than taking five minutes, I take 10 seconds to send them the link. They're getting a better experience and I'm getting a better experience. Now, if you do that for all the questions and problems that occur in your sales process, then you can see how you can save an enormous amount of time and also improve the experience for both you and the consumer. Yeah, absolutely. So what we're talking about here really though is is for a brand or business to be creating a lot of content, which is still overwhelming for people. Let's, let's not downplay that. Um, so what tips do you have as someone who does create a lot of video content on a regular basis? What tips do you have for people to make that easier or more streamlined or more cost effective, you know, rather than getting overwhelmed and therefore not doing it. The biggest tip I can give is batching the content that you're creating. So rather than feeling like you have to, I need to create a video this week to go out tomorrow and getting overwhelmed at that is saying, right, we've got our content ideas bank now. Um, so for the month of January, let's look at this and let's think about what pieces of content we're going to put out. So let's just say we're doing one a week. So there's four videos there and then saying, right on the 5th of January, we've booked out half a day. And the sole purpose of that is to shoot those four videos. 
and batch that content and create it. Now, this is good for a couple of reasons. One, it means you don't get overwhelmed every week at having to create content. And number two, it means when you are creating that video content, you're able to get into a much better flow. So, you know, you, you I find speaking on camera is almost like speaking on stage, which is you, you kind of need to warm up and warm up the muscle of being able to speak and get your message across concisely. So trying to batch your videos so that you're doing multiple videos in one session is much better from a time perspective, but it's also much better from a performance perspective too. Um, and one of my friends asked me this question, they're a, a development company and they're wanting to create video, but the problem that they have is uh, people are kind of worried about creating video, not wanting to get on camera, and they also feel like they don't have the time. And so what I said, well, you've got a picnic bench in the office, set the camera up. And when you're having a conversation, just a general conversation on the picnic bench, film it and just ask each other questions that are on the content ideas bank and have that conversation between each other. And once you filmed it, there's your, there's your video content. So you're, so that kind of stripped away the fear for them on having to be on video because they're just having a conversation with one another. Uh, and they're, they're speaking at their picnic bench when they're having lunch or having tea, like they do just generally anyway. So they're saving time. Awesome. I love, I love that you've mentioned that because people often get so, so scared of just looking at a camera and talking to the camera, which is not an easy task. I know you and I both do that in various pieces of content and it takes, it takes time and, and repetition to build the confidence in doing that but there are more than one ways to create video content and to be on camera, like you've mentioned there, like an interview or a conversation or telling a story. You know, sometimes people are less scared about the idea of being on camera if they're telling, just telling a story, just relating something that they, they've experienced. And, um, you know, that's that just a few examples, I guess, of how people can start to overcome some of those barriers of being on camera. But let's unpack a little bit about the technical barriers as well, because, you know, I think the other side to the, to the coin there of, of creating content regularly and quickly and effectively for a brand or a business is that perceived notion that it's too technical or too difficult or, you know, oh, I need to get a film crew in to do this. What do you say to people who, who think that way? Yeah, I mean... I totally understand why people think like that, but the reality is on social, it's not how people consume video content. And I mean, I first started with my phone and then I upgraded to a little point and shoot camera and then I got a DSLR and now I have a, I don't even know what it is, but a Sony A6400. I, I called it a DSLR the other day and someone told me that wasn't the, the right term. So I don't even know what it is. Mirrorless. Um, is that right? <laughs> let's, go, let's go, let's go for that. Um, so my philosophy when it comes to technical equipment is start with what you have and only ever upgrade when you feel restricted with what you currently have. So like the camera on the new iPhones is incredible. So you set that up, hook it up to a, a reasonable microphone and you've got, you've, you've got a setup there that is, like if we go back 10 years, far more advanced than the best video equipment, you know, 10 years ago. So start with your video, start with your phone. Everybody's got one in your, start with the phone. Uh, and then as you 
start to progress on your video journey, you might come across little road bumps where you go, ah, I wish we had this feature or I wish we could do this. Or um, when I had my point and shoot, for example, the problem that I had was I couldn't plug in a external mic. So I was like, right, okay, so I need to upgrade now. So start with what you have and upgrade when you feel restricted and don't feel like you need to have the best equipment because you honestly don't. I mean, when you look at social right now, 99% of the best performing videos there are not shot on a professional camera. They're shot on a phone. So let's, let's unpack that a little bit because depending on the brand or the business, some people would feel reluctant to do that, to be like, well, Mm -hmm. you know, we're a, you know, multinational organization or we're a well-established brand that uh, our brand identity is important. What would you say to those businesses that are like, they're in that position and are like, you know, behind the scenes, DIY, shoot on our phone kind of stuff that doesn't fly with our brand. Yeah, totally. Well, first of all, if you're, if it's a multinational, get a camera because the company will pay for it. But I totally understand because this is one of the biggest concerns that come up, which is uh, we are, uh, you know, a professional brand, a luxury brand. We don't want to be seen shot on, you know, kind of cameras and stuff. So you need to understand as a business, you need to understand that video is something that you need to do. It's an activity that you need to do. So you have a choice. You can either spend thousands and get video production agencies in to create really nice polished video content and do that regularly. So it's going to cost you a lot of money or you can give what people really want, which is give them the behind the scenes. Now I, I don't know about you, but personally as a consumer, I would have a lot more respect for a brand, even if they're a luxury brand, you know, selling expensive wedding rings or whatever it is. If they said, you know, every Tuesday we give the company phone to one of our uh, team members, one of the shop floor members, and they do a little vlog of the day. I would find that far more interesting than a video production produced, you know, blockbuster 30 seconds promo video. And I can, I can like say with confidence that most people would also find that interesting. I think if you are quite open with people and say, consumers aren't idiots. Consumers will see that your brand is a luxury brand, regardless of the content that you're creating. So if you're a luxury brand and you're posting and you're saying, look at this fun video that Melissa on the shop floor created or whatever, they know you're a luxury brand. They know that as Melissa, on the shop floor, they can see the shop floor is polished and uh, posh and you know fancy. So I think we get caught up too much in our own rubbish yeah. about what we believe our brand should be versus what the consumer actually wants to see. I I couldn't agree more, and I think that more and more the bigger brands, yes, even the multinationals, are leaning towards more of that. I guess it's an overused term, that idea of authentic content, you know, Um, and I'm seeing that more and more, which I think is really cutting through. Like when we see, you know, the big recognized global brands using some of these techniques and I feel that they're experimenting with them now on uh, platforms like Instagram stories, 
Snapchat, um, maybe Facebook stories as well. But the idea that they're starting to recognize that letting go of some of the production value in favor of the human authentic connection only allows people to connect more authentically, uh, more humanly with their brand. So I think for smaller businesses, for medium businesses, for listeners of this podcast to recognize that if the big brands are starting to pull back on production in order to connect more, then I think that we can let go of the idea that we need high production value in order to actually create value. How, what, yeah, what do you say hi, to that? And high production, high production value also doesn't equal quality in terms of content from a consumer's mm. point of view. So I think that, like, like I say, if your brand really is high-end, polished, whatever you want to call it, that will shine the produced video content that you publish anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So let's just play devil's advocate a little bit here, just in, in closing, because I think, you know, the message we've shared here is that more and more people should be doing more business uh, sorry, more video, more regularly for their business um, and using it across various ways online. But where can that go wrong? Where do you see or have you seen or can you see the potential for just creating more video content, potentially failing a business? Yeah, I think probably the biggest downfall or problem that I see is businesses creating video content just for the sake of creating video content and not with any real purpose behind it. And then to kind of carry on from that, not looking at things like data to see that they're actually making a, an error here. Because I think in any video journey, it's going to be relatively normal for people just to create video with no real purpose just to get used to creating video content. You know, when I did my hundred vlogs, hundred days, you know, there was no real value to them, but I did them to get better myself. So I think there's, it's okay to have an element of that, but to do that for three years, expecting things to happen and looking at the data and your data is not telling you anything's happening can be a problem because obviously video takes time. So, if you follow the things that we've spoken about in this podcast, what do your consumers want? What questions are they asking? And you start to create that and focus on that. It's going to, you're not going to fall into that trap basically, because that isn't looking at video as a tactic and a marketing uh, tactic methodology. What it's doing is it's looking at the consumer's behavior and what the consumer wants and giving them that. So it's a difference. But I see too many businesses just creating video for the sake of creating video so they can say they've created video, but that video is evidently doing nothing and they've not changed their tactic. They've not, they're not thinking about the consumer first. They're thinking about, I need to take a box on creating video. Yeah, absolutely. It's all about the difference between video as being a tactic and thinking about mm. video strategically. And one of my favorite quotes by Sun Tzu from The Art of War, which was written about ancient warfare in ancient China, um, is the idea that, or he said in this quote, was that strategy without tactics is the slowest route to victory. 
tactics without strategy is the noise before defeat. And I think that's, mm, that's so that. critical when it comes to video content is the idea that if you're just applying videos tactically without a strategy, it's just noise. And the last thing we want is more noise before defeat. So that's a, that's a bit of a takeaway oh, from Sun Tzu. <laughs> okay. So Gav, yeah. thanks very much for your insight today. This has been a, this has been fun. I've enjoyed this kind of uh, conversation uh, where we've, I, I believe we've explored some of the key things that are holding people back from video content for their business today. So hopefully it's opened up our listeners eyes a bit more and helped them understand how to be more effective with video content and create more content more quickly for their business as well. So for people who want to learn more from you and, and dive into maybe follow some of the videos that you create and some of the funny videos you create as well. And because I just want to mention here that I've seen a number of your videos, Gav, and they're quite funny. So I encourage people to go and head on over and follow what you've got going on. Where can they find you? Yeah, the best place is mrgavinbell.com. Uh, and from there, you'll be able to see my podcast, my my YouTube channel. And I, I encourage anyone that's maybe in the boat of, you know, a, bit, a little bit scared about video creation to look at my first ever video on YouTube, like filter back to the first one and compare that to now. And just know that if you are worried and you feel that you're not very good on video, like you will progress if you just get your head down and do it. So mrgavinbell.com um, or at mrgavinbell on any of the socials. Love it. And right after we stop recording here, I am going to head to your YouTube channel and seek <laughs> out that video. Um, Gavin, thank you very much for joining me. It's been a great chat. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. So what did you think? Has this episode inspired you to be more consistent and start creating more video content for your brand? I'd love to hear from you. Reach out to me anytime, podcast at engagevideomarketing.com or hit me up on Instagram at engage underscore Ben. I love having conversations with listeners of this podcast in Instagram DM, so make sure to reach out and say g'day. Now, all the links and everything mentioned to Gavin and other things that we talked about in this episode are at the show notes page at engagevideomarketing.com slash episode 119. And if you haven't yet left a rating and a review for this show, you know what I'm about to say. I would love for you to do that right now. I know that there are many people out there listening who have been listening week after week because they reach out and let me know that they're enjoying the show, but they haven't yet left a rating and a review. So if that's you, can I please ask you to take a moment after listening to this episode and leave me a rating and a review, particularly on the iTunes store or Apple podcasts or whatever podcast app you're listening on. I really appreciate you for listening and I appreciate you taking the time to do that because it helps this show reach more people as well. So that's it for this episode. Once again, I'm Ben Amos from Engage Video Marketing, and I'm here to help you engage your ideal audience to action through effective online video strategy. And I'll see you next week for another episode of the Engage Video Marketing Podcast.